This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Amen. Stay standing for the reading of the word. Luke 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she, was, she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Lord of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty Holy One, it, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made his, this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Hallelujah. You may be seated. 
I want you to open to verse 49 and 50 of Luke chapter 1. And I want you to read it. I'll put it on the screen. I want to talk to you about something that I've been trying to work out myself over the last three weeks. And really, it's you know, I'm kind of working it out with you even today. As, as I'm pulling my heart toward it. And these two verses from the story Derek read are what I want to talk about. Verse 49, for the mighty one is holy. Say that with me. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. That's pretty powerful, right? I love what Ryan said when he was encouraging us after worship. That God wants to do great things for us. God wants to bless us. God wants to take it so far beyond what we could even think or imagine and do for us. And yet, my struggle, you know, for those of you that have been coming here a while, one of my struggles is if I read it in the Bible, I like it to work. If I see healing, I like to say, well, healing works. Or if I see that God will do great things for me, then I would like to be able to look back over my life and say, God has done great things for me. And He has. But I also can look back over life and say, well, I, it seems like sometimes God cherry picks those kind of things. Who does he do great things for? Sometimes it just seems like it's a fate issue, like God likes some people better than he likes other people. He chooses to bless some and he chooses not to bless others. And so we can kind of just guess about who's going to get lucky and who's not going to get lucky. But I don't think it's that way. I don't think with God it's about luck. I don't think with God it's about some of us get blessed and some of us don't. But I do believe there's something in the next verse that's eye-opening and maybe it'll help us all. It's definitely helped me. He shows mercy from generation to generation and then the last line is what I want to talk about briefly this morning is to all who fear Him. I want to talk about what it means to fear God. Not fear like some people kind of think this way. To fear God is God's going to get you. He's going to give you a disease. He's going to give you a car wreck. He's going to break your back so you'll look up to Him. Not fear like that because I don't believe that that's the God we serve. God is not out to get us. God's out to help us. But this enlightens me to something because in Mary's praise... To God, she says that he will show mercy to those who fear him. And over the last three weeks, I've been really studying, does Mark fear God? By fear, again, I don't mean scared of God, but I mean that God has a place of honor in my life above all else. Do I honor God the way God needs to be honored? And so for, you know, the last 20 plus days, I've just been going, okay, God, do I really fear you? Like, I know I love you. But love of the Lord and fear of the Lord are two different things. Because a lot of people, I love God, but according to what I'm studying in my own life, doesn't necessarily equate to that I fear God, even though I love Him. So Proverbs chapter 1, if you'll turn there, because I want to talk about the fear of the Lord from a story of two women. I want to look at the story of Eve, who's the mother of all creation, and then I want to look at the story Derek read of Mary, who's the mother of the second creation, the new creation. Both of them are mothers, 
both of them chosen by God, and yet both of them represent what happens when we do or don't fear the Lord. And they're a great, not just story object lesson, but they're a great reminder of what it means to fear the Lord. Again, Eve, mother of all humans, so you're all connected to her. And then Mary, the mother of the new creation. And if we believe in Jesus, we're all connected to her. So both of these moms can kind of give us some insight to what it means. Proverbs chapter 1, if you'll look at that, I want to read to you what it means to fear the Lord. Verse 7 of Proverbs chapter 1. Fear of the Lord is the foundation, the beginning point of true knowledge. But a fool despises wisdom and discipline. The Bible teaches me that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of everything we would need to know for life. You want to know how to fix your marriage? Fear the Lord. You want to know how to raise your children? Fear the Lord. You want to know how to live blessed? Fear the Lord. You want to know how life will go good for you all the days of your life? Fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all the knowledge that you would need to pull off life. Now it is possible as a human to still be smart, still have knowledge, been there, done that, earn the t-shirt, blood, sweat, and tear knowledge. I can have my own personal knowledge and go through life, but when I do it my own way, with my own knowledge, my own wisdom, trying to figure it all out, I can still do life, but there's no guarantee how it will turn out. Maybe good, maybe bad. It just depends on how smart I am and how wise I am. But when I learn the fear of the Lord, it is the beginning point of everything Mark Evans is going to need to live life the way that's going to turn out for me where God and I win, so to speak. I can't deny the fear of the Lord. Now, if you scroll down or however you have it on your phone, but to the end of Proverbs... Verse 24, because as I've been studying this for myself, it just started stinging a bit. And I started really asking my own self in my prayers, God, do I fear you? I know I love you. I know you're my God. I know you're my Savior. I know you're coming back to get me. I mean, I know all the right things and the scriptures to say and the songs to sing, but based on fearing you, do I, Mark Evans, fear you? So kind of what I'm going to download to you is what I've been working out for me, and I hope it will help you. Listen to verse 24 of Proverbs 1. I called to you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh at you when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they won't find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way and choking their own scheme. Before we go any further, has anybody ever 
ate the bitter fruit of your own way? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody ever choked on your own scheme? Like you had a great, wonderful, brilliant, wise idea and it was just the most stupid thing in the world and now you're eating the fruit of it? Well, here's the strange thing. None of what I read was romantic. None of what I read made me feel close to God. What I just read of, I will laugh at you when disaster comes. You will call out for me, but I'm not going to answer you. It really makes me go, is God just ticked off or is he mad? I called for you, Mark, but you wouldn't pay attention. I gave you advice, Mark, but you wouldn't listen. I downloaded my wisdom to you, Mark, but you were too, too stubborn and too busy to take time to ask me for anything. You know my name, Mark. You know my ways, Mark. You know my word, Mark. But while I'm trying to download to you my wisdom and download you to my knowledge and download you to my advice, you're not paying attention. And when you don't pay attention to my wisdom, Mark, and you run your own wisdom while saying that you love me while you're running, Mark, I'm just going to have to go ahead and tell you, if you don't listen to my wisdom and my advice and my correction, well, then the end result is... You're just going to eat the bitter fruit of your own way. And I often wonder how many of us as Christians are in love with Jesus but living a bitter life. Things just don't work. My job doesn't work. My family's not working. My health is not working. My finances don't work. I mean, I love the Lord. I'm quoting scripture. I'm singing all the worship tunes. I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm doing everything, but it seems like God won't answer my prayers and my life's not clicking and things aren't going the way I want it. What's up, God? Why are you ignoring me, God? Blaming it on the devil. And the Lord is just clear. He is so clear and this is my take on it. I mean, if you disagree, it's okay. This is just my take. I, I may change later. But what I've worked out is this. Is God obligated to bless us when we continually reject His wisdom? Like, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, help me, help me, help me, fix me, fix me, fix me. Oh, yeah, but I'm still going to do my own thing and run my own way and do my own emotions, and live. I'm going to do me, God, but while I'm doing me, I need you to kind of hang out with me because I may need you in, at some point. But I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me, God. Now, what I want you to do is bless me while I do me. I'm going to make my decisions, live my life, do my things, hold on to my addictions and my weaknesses and my struggles and my sins, and then I'm just going to do me, but then I want to throw it to you that if I ever hit a brick wall, if things don't go well, I'm going to cry out to you and then I need you to hurry up and come over here and fix me. While I reject your wisdom, I'm going to do me, but when I start eating the fruit of my own ways and choking on me, I would really love you to hurry up and come bail me out. It's kind of like this. This is the analogy that came to me. It's kind of like God's our little Labrador retriever. Like I keep him on a leash and I walk with him down the street and I introduce everybody to him. This is my God. This is him. I want you to meet him. He's a sweet God. He's a good, good God. He's a good, good father. He won't bite anybody. He's the kindest little dog you'll ever meet. Best Labrador retriever ever. Watch. I show you how powerful he is. I'll even throw a ball and he'll fetch it for me. 
He'll bring it back to me. Bring it, boy. Come on. Sit, boy. Roll over, boy. Bang, bang. Play dead. Like God is like our favorite pet. And he basically follows me wherever I go and obeys everything I tell him to do. He fetches for me. He sits for me. He jumps for me. He's there at my every command. That is not the fear of the Lord. But yet what it is to so many people is that's kind of the way we treat God. We even sing the songs, he's a good, good father. And he is. It's who he is. Well, if he's so good, then why? That's why. Because he can be a good, good father and you can be singing how good of a father he is and going, why all the hell in my life if he's a good, good father? Mark, because if you're singing I'm a good, good father but you're living your own ways, your own emotions, your own choices, your own wisdom, you ignore my advice, you ignore my words, you ignore my scripture, you ignore me until you hit rock bottom, well, you're just going to eat the fruit of your own way, Mark. And then I ask the question, is God obligated to bless me when I don't listen to his wisdom? Is he obligated to himself to bless me when I just kind of give the middle finger to, to his wisdom? And go, well, he loves me anyway. He blesses me anyway. And he does. He just loves. He's just the most loving, gracious, merciful. But we cannot reject his wisdom. And in two women, a Mary and an Eve, I want to take a few minutes and just talk to you about what does it mean to fear the Lord. Now listen, it gets better. Let's read verse 32. For simpletons turn away from me. They turn to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. This verse right here just jumped out at me. I love verse 33. But all who listen to me, come on, say it with me. All who listen to me, watch, will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Come on, somebody, shout something. All who listen to me. <laughs> you see, there's, this is no crap shoot here. This isn't God likes you more than he likes me. This isn't that my sins are too big for God to deal with. All God is trying to get me to do is listen. If you will listen, Mark, your life will be at peace. If you will listen to me, Mark, you will have healing. If you will listen to me, Mark, things will go well for you. If you will listen to me, Mark, you... Put it back up there a minute. I want to just see that last word. You will live free of any trouble of harm. Come on. You will live free of any trouble of harm. Do you believe that? You don't have to worry about getting Alzheimer's, dying of some weird disease, some tragedy happening to you. If you'll just listen, if you'll just listen, well, I'm just afraid my children. Well, then just listen. Well, I'm just afraid my husband. Well, just listen. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to die. Just listen. If you just listen to his wisdom, you don't even have to worry or be troubled. Have you ever been troubled in your life? Gosh, I have a litany of troubles, fearful things, anxieties, frustrations, raising kids. Will I be a good dad? I have my own anxieties about here. Will I be a good pastor? Will I do a good job? Will I stand before God? Will I hear him say, well done? And then I read this, and this is so simple. 
Just, just let it burn. I use the word eyeballs, and the staff always laughs at me. Burn it into your eyeballs. All who listen will live in peace. That means right now, if there's anxiety in your life, it's not a devil problem. It's not that your anxiety and problem is too big for God. It's a hearing problem. Have you heard what he said about your anxiety? Have you heard what he said about your trouble? And yet so many times we do the analogy of just walking through life with God in the middle of hell. And then I just go, okay, go sick him, boy. Get the devil, boy. Go get the devil, little God. You go get the devil. Hey, go get my blessing. Go fetch my blessing and bring it back to me. But at the same time, if I don't listen, I guess I would say this, is God obligated if I'm not listening? Come on, mom and dad. If your kids don't listen to you, are you obligated to protect them if they don't listen? If you say, hey girls, get, I'm going to go for a while, you all stay here and don't do this, and then you walk out and you're not in their presence and they don't listen. So the fear of the Lord starts here. The fear of the Lord is simply this. Do you place high regard on listening? That's the fear of the Lord. Now here's the problem. In the middle of anxiety... Hurt, stress, whatever, trouble. Have you ever noticed how loud you talk? You don't even have to open your mouth and you're talking. Your mind goes a thousand miles an hour. Your thoughts scream to you. Your thought life. So let's just be honest. When we say listen to me, I'm not even talking about the audible voice of God. I'm talking about a lot of times we're in love with the Lord, but we don't fear Him because our thoughts are so far from hearing Him. Our thoughts are you're not going to make it. You're going to go under. You're going to die. No, 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 no. Bombardment, bombardment over and over and over. God's not real. He doesn't work. The Bible doesn't work. I mean, it's just it's a warfare. Just to keep me from listening. And if you want to know, I don't know about you, but if you want to know when we talk the loudest, it's at night when we're going to bed. When it's the quietest and your head hits the pillow. And it's just as soon as my head hits the pillow, it's like, I'm like, what? And then I just start thinking about everything. Like I think about everything I did that day, and then I think about what's coming, and then I think about the next week, and then before long, it's like I rabbit trail every thought, and then another one knocks. I rabbit trail that thought. And I don't know if you do what I do, but I play scenarios. Anybody do scenario playing? Where you play the same movie over and over and over, hoping for a different ending, but it never ends differently? Well, let me play that movie again and see if it'll change. It will never end differently. If you don't listen, it never ends in your favor. It's all speculation. Everything about tomorrow is speculation. And in your brain, with your thoughts, there's no way to have peace when your thoughts are trying to figure out your future because all your future is is speculation until you listen. And the moment you listen, my future is not speculation, it's certainty. Mark, how can you be so certain about your future? Because I will listen. And if I listen, I will overcome. And if I listen, I will have peace. And if I listen, I don't have to have fear of harm. And then all the thoughts. 
So let's look at the two women. Eve. Did she fear the Lord? She loved God. She was created by God. She was put in the most beautiful garden with the most perfect husband. There are no in-laws to fight with. There are no bill collectors. There's no Medicare Medicaid. There's no politicians to elect. There's no fake news or real news. There's no tweeting. There's nothing. There's nothing but a perfect home with a perfect man in a perfect garden with perfect trees and perfect animals in a perfect environment talking to a perfect God, and she blows it. <laughs> she blows it. How could you blow it when everything's perfect? You dumb, dumb woman. And all problems now originate. If you want to know the wisdom of God, I will laugh at you when calamity comes. You will call for me, but you won't hear me answer. Every bit of that came because the first mother of all creation said this about his wisdom. Eh. I don't really care what he thinks. Really what I think is what matters. And I love him, of course I love him, but. I love him, but. How many of us love God but don't listen? Do you know how frustrating that is? Raise a kid. And you go, hey, 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 hey. No, 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 hey, 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 come here, come here, get back, come here, get back. What did I just say to you? What would you do if your child turned around and said, now I love you? What would you do? I love you. I'm not talking about love. You don't even listen to me. Did you pick up your clothes? Now, Dad, you know I love you. You dumb, dumb child. What are you talking about? You? I'm not even talking about love. I'm talking about did you pick up your clothes? Because that's what I told you to do. Dad, you're such a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm not even talking about my goodness. I'm going to come over there and backslap the hair off of your head. Right? Anybody ever raised a kid and they don't listen? There's nothing more frustrating than a kid that won't listen. And the moment they won't listen, we trade them off. They're yours. They're, those are your kids. They're not even related to me. Those are your daughters. You birthed them. I wonder if God sometimes in heaven looks down at me and he goes, no, that's not my kid. Right? Like God just looks down and he looks at his mother. Wouldn't that be weird if Jesus looked at his mom and said, no, that's not mine. That's your kid. Right? And she's like, no, that's your kid. He's like, no, mom, those are your kids. They don't even listen to me. I wonder how frustrating it is. Have you ever been married and your spouse doesn't listen? Never, I'm perfect. 30 years, Robin, and I'll be married this July. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm still alive. But when we got married, I'm a dreamer. Man, I talk nonstop. I don't even need help to talk. I go to bed talking, I wake up talking. You just give me a subject, I'll talk three hours. And she would often say, you just talk too much. Why don't you listen? And then she'll even say, I'll be watching TV. This is how it goes in my house. I'm watching TV. I'm playing guitar at the same time. I'm scrolling on my phone. I'm petting the dog. And I'm eating a Pop-Tart. 
And I'm, I'm perfectly engaged in all of them. I know exactly what's going on, on the TV, exactly what court I'm playing. I know where I'm at at the Pop-Tart. I'm petting the dog. My feet are up. And she walks in and begins to chat. And I continue to play guitar and eat a Pop-Tart and watch TV and pet the dog while just including her chit-chat into my equation. I hear her perfectly well. I occasionally go, mm-hmm. But when she looks at me and says, you're not even listening. And then I'm like, what? Of course I'm listening. I'm just doing 22 other things, but I can accomplish that. And the frustration that comes to her when I tell her I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. I'm just hearing a bunch of noise. Anybody ever watch Charlie Brown? I wonder, again, if God is that way. I'm busy. I've got to go to work. I've got things to do. I've got to mow. I've got work. I've got hunting. I've got sports. I've got the children. I've got homework. I've got laundry. I've got this. I've got that. And God's going, hey, hey, hey. Blah, blah, blah. And we're like, well, I can hear him. Of course I hear him. But I never stop to really listen. I never put it all aside and just say, God, help me listen. So here comes Eve. Eve, all I'm asking you to do, don't eat the tree. We good? Anything else you want to do, don't eat the tree. That's all I'm asking. It's Genesis 3. That's all I'm asking you to do. Don't eat the tree, Eve. So whatever you do, don't eat it. Are we good? Oh, we're good, God. And then the first thing out of her mouth is she didn't fear the Lord. Because even though she nodded in agreement, she didn't really listen. Because she gave the nod of agreement but she didn't listen that if you eat it, you die. I'll show you how I think they nodded, but they didn't listen. In Genesis chapter 3, if you'll turn there, it is the moment that they've sinned and God has showed up on the scene to have a chit-chat with them. And God in his chit-chattiness Genesis 3, hang on a minute, my phone's. At the very end, he says this about Eve. I'll have to get there because my phone's freezing up, so I won't even use it on my phone. In Genesis chapter 3, this is what's going to happen. The curse comes in Genesis 15 and begins to cur- and God begins to bring the curse. And then at the end of the curse, this is what Adam is going to say about his bride. He says, for I called her Eve, for she was the mother of all living. Now, just stare at that a minute. Here's the wisdom of God, and I'm going to leave this up here. Here's the wisdom of God. Eve, Adam, don't eat it, eat it, die. Here's our wisdom. I appreciate that. You know I love you. I love you. Best God ever. Best house ever. Best husband ever. Best dad ever. But I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Because I know me. And I know what's best for me. And I know what I want. I just want to be like you because you are incredible. And so therefore I'm going to eat that because I want to be like you. 
And in the strangeness of the strange, after she eats it, look at this verse. Because God said, the day you eat it, you die. And as soon as she ate it, what does her husband say? Here comes his wisdom. For Adam named his wife Eve because she's the mother of all who are alive. No, she's not. She's the mother of everything dead. She's going to birth Cain who's going to kill Abel. By Genesis chapter 5, everybody is the obituary of Genesis. By Genesis 6, every one of her offspring except Noah are dead. Maybe it's teaching me, it doesn't matter what I say or call it. If I don't live the wisdom of God, it's not going to be what I say it is. And I wonder if sometimes we're not making confessions. Oh, I call myself blessed. I am blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Go get my blessing, Lord. I don't have a problem with that. I love being blessed. But is God obligated to do what I say when I don't listen to his wisdom? He's over here going, oh, this is Eve. And God's going, what is Sam Hill are you talking about? Eve, the mother of all living. I told you if she did it, you would birth everything dead. No, because I call it alive. And God's like, well, okay, good, but it's still dead. Oh, well, I named her Eve. Okay, great. But it's still dead. And I wonder if a lot of times we're reading scripture over our marriage, singing the right songs, doing the right religious things, and God's like, look, but you're still not listening to me. You're still not coming for my advice, Mark. You're just religious, Mark. You just say the things you need to say, quote the things you need to quote. But Mark Evans, are you genuinely listening to me? Are you genuinely tuning your ears to what I want to tell you, Mark? Or are you using me to get what you want? Or are you allowing me to speak my wisdom to get what I want? Because that was Eve. I used God to get what I want. But I'm not going to listen to him. Fast forward to this woman. Does she fear the Lord? Will she listen to him? So he shows up to a 16-year-old girl, an angel, and says to the 16-year-old girl who has pre-wedding plans, about to get married, says to her, hey, you're going to be pregnant and have the Son of the Most High God. Now just so we know the pressure, <laughs> this mother had a perfect husband, perfect culture, perfect environment, perfect place, perfect house, and she couldn't listen to God. This one comes in. Now I've got a little 16-year-old girl in a culture that says, if you get pregnant without a husband, we kill you. That's the culture she's in. So not quite as forgiving as our culture. If you get caught pregnant without a husband, we take you outside the city, we dig a hole, we put you in the hole, we bury you up to your shoulders, and then we bring rocks out and kill you. That's how compassionate we are. Oh, by the way, I just want you to know if you say yes to this kid, um, it's probably going to ruin your honeymoon. Your wedding plans are ruined. You sleeping with your husband as a virgin is ruined. You won't be a husband anymore, a virgin anymore. You're possibly going to be put to death. 
your husband's possibly going to divorce you. The dream wedding you had is now ruined. The dream honeymoon is now ruined. Everything on your bucket list is now ruined because some angel came down and wants me to be pregnant. I wonder why God came to a 16-year-old girl in her teens versus an adult woman. Maybe he had already tried it with an adult woman. Maybe he needed the humility of a child. Maybe he needed the dumbness of a child. Because here's what Mary says. Hey, you can potentially be put to death, potentially lose your husband, and your entire marriage is going to be put on hold. Your honeymoon's not going to happen the way you want it. Everyone may reject you, and well, we'll probably stone you. Hey, do you want to have that kid now? And here's what she says. Sure. What? Yeah, yeah be it unto me according to whatever you say. How profound. Be it unto me according to what? No, she didn't do what we would do. I would do. Okay, before I say yes, <laughs> appreciate the request, and you chose me, I'm highly favored. <laughs> but before I say yes, okay. All right, can I get reimbursed for my honeymoon? Like we've already put down a deposit on the camel. We've got a, we've got a double wide camel coming to take us. I mean, it's a stretch camel. We got a stretch camel coming. Can I get my deposit back for the camel? And I've already put down money on the venue. Can I get the venue back? Hey, listen. Now, I look, I appreciate the whole angel conversation here, and you come from God. But before I say yes, can you assure me that Joseph won't divorce me? Can you assure me that he's not going to leave me and think I'm a lunatic? In other words, be, watch. In other words, before I listen to you, I need you to calm me down and answer me first. And that's most of us. Before I follow you and listen to your wisdom, I need you to answer all my life questions first. I mean, it would have been fair for the little teenager to say, am I going to get killed first? Or am I going to lose my husband? Or can I get my money back on my marriage venue? No, she just simply said, well, be it unto me according to your word. And if you want to know how mind-blowing that is today, you're here today because of her. Because this little girl chose to listen to God over culture. She chose to listen to God over fear. She chose to listen to God over dreams and plans. She chose to listen to God over her husband and the opinion of others. Be it unto me, God. And as I've wrestled with this over the last three weeks, I've literally had to ask myself, do I have that kind of fear like the mother of Jesus or do I have more of the Christianity of Eve where I love God, I care about God, I just want His blessings and His favor, but I'm not listening very well versus, man, things aren't going good for me and I'm really losing it. I want to get emotional. I want to lose it. I want to throw things. I want to cuss. I want to blame God and the devil. Or am I going to come over here and go, you know what? I don't have to know all the answers to life. I don't have to know how everything's going to work out. All I know is if I listen, I'll have peace. If I listen, it'll work out well for me. If I listen, I'll have no harm. If I listen, God's going to work it to my good. If I will but listen. And when I learn to listen, that is the fear of the Lord. Amen. Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. And I want to ask you, are you listening 
Do you listen well? Be honest with yourself. I'm not asking you, do you love the Lord? This is not a do you love Jesus moment. This is are you listening to him moment. Don't be like the child that turns around and goes, but I love you, daddy. But you're like, but you don't listen to a thing I say. Don't be like me as a husband that says, I love you, honey, but I'm too busy and distracted to really focus and listen to you. Are you busy and distracted listening to God? Are you wondering why life's not working? Are you wondering why prayers aren't being answered? Are you wondering where your blessings are? Are you wondering why your job's not working out? Are you wondering why anxiety is high? It's not the devil. He's defeated. Maybe it's just because we're so distracted and busy that we just don't listen well anymore. Maybe we're so spoiled we don't listen well anymore. Or like me, maybe I'm just so used to God. I'm so comfortable with Him that I just, I do listen, but I don't really listen. I'm kind of like the guy on the couch with 15 things going at one time, saying I'm listening, but am I really engaged to hear? I will tell you this this morning, he will speak to you. He still talks. He will speak from his word. He will speak to your heart. And when he speaks, you find peace. And when he speaks, you don't have to worry about fear of tomorrow. Are you struggling in your marriage? Are you struggling in your financial life, your sex life? Are you struggling in your job? Are you struggling raising your children? Are you living in fear? Does anxiety grip you on every hand? Are you nervous about your future? It's simple. God, help me listen. In just a moment, the band's going to play, and I'm going to release you to come to these communion tables. And as you come to the communion table, the Bible says Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. Christ is your wisdom. And when you come, just listen. And while you're in line, whatever the anxiety is, whatever the struggle is, whatever the hurt is, whatever the trouble or the harm, whatever, I don't know, but you will know, while you're in line as you're waiting to partake, I want you to just tune your heart in and listen. And the thoughts that may scream this or the thoughts that scream that, I want you to tune in. And when you get to this table and you take that piece of bread in your hand, before you dip it, I just want you to say, Jesus, I'm choosing to listen to your wisdom this year. I choose your wisdom over myself. I choose your advice over my emotions. I choose your voice over my anxieties. And then dip it in the bread, dip it in the juice. Jesus, I'm listening. And then what we're doing here is we're trying to make room for that to happen. So once you begin to come, we kind of call it we're done with our part and we just let the Lord do his part. That means you can come kneel. We have prayer partners over here to my left and your right that will pray with you. You can go back to your seat and worship with the band. And we just kind of let the Holy Spirit work and move. And you can stay around as long as you want or you can slip out if you need to. It's perfectly fine. But I would say this. Before you step out of the door today, before you get back into the rush of life, would you take just a moment of time, and I'll use these words, really listen. Really listen. God, talk to me. 
show me your words and then see what he says to you. When you hear it in your heart, share it with somebody. Share it with your husband. Share it with your wife. Share it with a friend. Write it down in the front of your Bible. Put it down in your phone. This is what the Lord said to me. It's going to bring me peace. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for an opportunity now to respond. It's now your part, Lord. We say, Holy Spirit, you come and do your part now. We've done our part. Now you do your part. Talk to hearts. Talk to husbands. Talk to wives. Talk to kids. And God, teach us how to listen well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 